Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not all his benefits. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. What a marvelous day to be grateful, and what a marvelous day to be worshiping the living God. My name is Hal Brady, and I want to welcome you to this ministry. As always, my prayer is that you will be blessed both by the word and the music. Would you hear now, please, the reading from God's Word? It comes from Philippians. We're going to begin at the fourth chapter, the fourth verse. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Keep on doing the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you join me for prayer? O oh God, your will be done, nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. Amen. Why do I want to bring a message tonight on joy? First of all, so many professing Christians are lacking the quality of radiance. 
They may be sincere, dependable, and all of those things, but they're not joyful. So many people experience faith as a source of goodness, but not a source of gladness. Little Sweet said, if there were three bones in the body, a backbone, a wishbone, and a funny bone, he said, how many funny bone transplants would be necessary to assist the body of Christ? A good question. Another reason for preaching on joy is the mad scramble for happiness taking place in our culture today. For many, happiness is the supreme value and final measurement of life in this generation. We judge everything by whether or not we are happy. We judge marriage, vocation, human relations, even religion. The question is, is God's primary end for human existence, God's glory, or our human happiness? And I'm afraid that many people are answering that question with the latter and continuing to engage in their trivial pursuits. And still a third reason for preaching on joy is that joy is such a wonderful characteristic that if somehow that joy existed in us, then we could bring so much to the world for a better morrow, for a better tomorrow, and a better world itself. Sometimes back, I attended the funeral of a dear friend. The minister described him like this. The minister said, Brother Jones literally loved and laughed people into the kingdom of God. How wonderful, how challenging, how hopeful that is. How would you describe the world in which we live? Which word or words would you use to describe it? Which word like these, anxious, fearful, hardened, stressful, gloomy? I'm sure you'd use all those words, but I'm sure you would use gloomy, gloomy. So what is our world's greatest need? Our world's greatest need is for joyful people. A few years ago, my wife and I were in Boston, Massachusetts, and while there, we went to Trinity Church. Years earlier, that church had had a pastor, a famous pastor by the name of Phillips Brooks. One day during his pastorate, the Boston newspaper described it like this. The Boston newspaper said that things looked gloomy, and then Phillips Brooks walked down newspaper row, and all was bright. That's the idea right there. That's the relevancy of Paul's words to us and the Philippians. Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. J.B. Phillips translates that verse like this. Delight yourselves in the Lord. Yes, find your joy in him at all times. But it's a special kind of joy that possessed Paul. It's a joy independent of earthly circumstances. A joy independent of good things, desired comforts, big successes. Paul didn't have any of these things. As a matter of fact, Paul was writing this letter in a Roman prison cell. His health was bad. He was concerned about the Philippians themselves and the great trials they were going to have to go through if they were going to live on the way. So how can Paul possibly be joyful and wish us joy? That's just it. He doesn't wish us joy. He wishes us joy in the Lord. And that is something quite different. That's the secret of Paul's joy and that's the secret of our joy. Joy in the Lord. Rejoice, Paul says. Rejoice in the Lord always. Joy is the outcome of Christ living in us. Christ living in us. The big difference between happiness and joy is simply this. Happiness is usually circumstantial or situational. The word happiness comes from the word hap and means chance. 
On the other hand, joy comes from a word that means changeless love. Changeless love. Certain critics are quick to point out that our times do not lend themselves for prosperous peace. They say, how in the world could we possibly live otherwise under the circumstances in this world? Well, the Christian faith would challenge that. We're not supposed to live under the circumstances. We're supposed to live above the circumstances of this world. The faith life is a life to be lived above the circumstances. All are St. Paul. St. Paul was writing in this Roman prison cell, and yet he knew, he knew that his circumstances did not have anything to do with his joy. So consequently, even in a dingy prison cell, he could write, rejoice. Again, I say, rejoice always. Now hear me now. Plain and simple. This is plain and simple. Joy is the result of being loved by God. Plain and simple. Joy is the result of being loved by God. When God's undeserved grace and forgiveness penetrate through our thick layer of self-negation, we begin to feel the surge of joy. But we have to remember we have to be reminded of where that joy comes from, and that is the cross. The cross is the only place where we can get rid of our self-negation, our self-condemnation. What was it Paul said to the Romans? He said, therefore, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Keep in mind that when Jesus talked about his joy, he talked about recognizing that he had to be a part of his joy if we are going to have that joy. For instance, this is what he said in one passage. He said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will produce much fruit. Paul said the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, and all those wonderful things. And then Jesus said, I have said these things to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Someone correctly said, joy is the flag that flies over the castle of the human heart when the king is in residence. There was a pastor at Nunga of Africa who lost his wife to death. He loved her dearly. On the day of the funeral, Christians and non-Christians alike gathered in, and they all began to wail, and it became a dirge. Finally, this pastor stood up beside the coffin. Remember, he loved his wife dearly, but he said to those people, he said, stop that wailing. Stop all of that. He said, the reason is simply this. He said, my wife was a child of God. She has gone to live with her father in heaven. This is to be a day of rejoicing, not wailing. And so he began to sing, and everybody began to sing with him. What a great testimony and witness. Let me say that again. Joy is the flag that flies over the castle of the human heart when the king is in residence. There are several reasons why we should rejoice in Christ. And I first of all just want to mention these. Christ person. Whenever we think of Christ's person, it makes us joyful. What did the angel say? Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of a great joy which shall come to all people. For to you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. At Christmas, we celebrate God's coming in Christ. Christmas is the most joyful season of the year. So it's Christ's person. And then it's Christ's companionship. Christ's companionship. There was a young man, an intelligent young man, who, who the doctor said his life was going to be cut short because he had contracted a horrible disease. His parents broke their hearts on the edge of despair because the doctors could offer no hope. Finally, one doctor held out some hope. He said, if you could 
move your son to a more favorable climate. Perhaps he could enjoy life, finish school and enjoy life. That's what they did. They moved their son to Arizona. There he finished school and enjoyed a productive life for many, many years. That's essentially how Paul saw Christ. Not simply as a person, a historic person on the stage of human history for a short time, but as a great companion presence that simply engulfs the world. Christ's companionship, Christ's companionship, and Christ's person. And then, thirdly, Christ's service. Paul found great joy in the service of Christ. St. Francis of Assisi was perhaps the first Roman Catholic clergyman to understand that ministry equates with aggressive caring for men and women, whatever their need or situation. He was born into great wealth, to aristocracy, if you please. But when he came a Christian and he realized his need, he started going the world. He gave up his wealth and he ministered to the poorest of the poor. We're talking about the slaves and the prisoners and the lepers. Is it any wonder that he was called the jolly priest? The jolly priest. And then, after we have Christ's service, we have Christ's victory. Jesus said, in the world you shall have tribulation. We know that, troubles and trials and tribulations. But he didn't stop there. He went on and said this other thing, but be of good cheer, courage. I have overcome the world. In other words, when we think of evil and sin and death and life, Jesus has overcome it all and he enables us to overcome it. Joseph Blankford, in his book on Mother Teresa, described the joy of Mother Teresa. And I think it would be good and helpful if you heard how he described it. This is what he said. In Calcutta and elsewhere, I often had occasion to wait for Mother Teresa while she shared a meal with her sisters and listened to the sound of laughter and delight coming from their dining room, from young women who had joined Mother Teresa in possessing nothing but God himself, in getting up every morning at 4.40, in spending their days washing lepers and caring for the dying, and in giving up radio and television and the creative comforts that our culture deems sensible and essential. It was obvious that Mother Teresa's joy was entirely from within. It was from Christ's victory, from entirely within. So Paul wishes us joy. He says rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. Can we understand this? Joy is the outcome of living with Christ. And then, secondly, joy results when we keep our eyes riveted to the present. Joy results when we keep our eyes riveted to the present. Beloved, life's joy blockers are many. And if we're going to live a joyful life, we're going to have to get rid of these joy blockers. These joy blockers keep trying to come into our minds and hearts, reminding us of our troublesome past or our scary future. And as long as they are around, we're not going to have much joy. I just want to mention a few of these joy blockers so we'll know some of them we need to get rid of. First of all, bitterness. What is bitterness? Bitterness is when we nurse our anger over a period of time. What does the scripture say? Do not let the sun go down on your anger. He's not telling us not to get angry. He's telling us not to nurse it, not to let it stay and linger with us. We need to channel our anger. Walt Frazier was a great basketball player, and in one of the NBA playoff games, an opposing player came up behind Walt Frazier and hit him in the face, socked him in the face. In the strangest call ever made, 
the referees accused him of committing the foul. Walt Frazier didn't complain. He didn't burst out in anger. He didn't lose his cool. All he did was ask for the ball. The next seven times they went down the court. And he scored seven times. And his team won the game. You see, we're talking about channeling one's anger. And then fear. Fear is another joy blocker. If you want something to cause you great fear, then just know it's going to destroy your peace of mind. Fear will do that. A noted minister receives thousands of letters from his television and radio ministry. And he said that he finally had figured out from all this mail that the chief problem of men and women, he said, is not sorrow and it's not sin. It's fear. Fear keeps us from dealing with the great unknowns of life. Fear keeps us from doing new stuff. Fear, which is the opposite of faith, fear, which is the opposite of faith, says that our God is a little God, inadequate, and cannot handle the great issues of life. On the other hand, what are we told? Perfect love casts out fear in 1 John. Now, here's something you need to understand. Fear and faith cannot coexist in the same heart. Either the fear will replace the faith, or the faith will take care of the fear. And that's true of love. Love takes care of the fear, or the fear takes care of love. So we need to be about the business of love. We need to be about the business of love. So we have those two things that cause us great problems. And then there are other things as well. But we need to remember these joy blockers will keep us from having a good life if we let them. If we let them, we need to get rid of them. And then thirdly, joy is a choice. Joy is a choice. In our scripture lesson, Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice. Years before Paul, the writer of Proverbs, said this, For as a person thinketh in his heart, so is he. Think joy, be joyful. Think joy, be joyful. Ed Young was a Dallas minister. Oh, he is a Dallas minister. He said years ago, on Thanksgiving Day, there was an ice storm that hit North Texas. And he said he had to go down to the church to get his manuscript. So he took his seven-year-old daughter, who was the oldest of his daughters, Lee Beth, with him. And he said while they were riding, they were listening to the radio, and they heard all these terrible weather reports. They heard how treacherous it was to be driving. If you can stay at home, stay at home. Don't go out under any circumstances. There are falling leaves and there are frozen pipes and all kinds of things. He said he was getting very depressed as he listened to the news report. But then he looked at his seven-year-old daughter, Lee Beth, and she was bouncing around in the seat, hardly able to contain herself. She said, Daddy, Daddy, it's ice. Daddy, Daddy, when we get home, we're going to slide down the driveway. Daddy, Daddy, when we get home, we're going to build a snowman. Daddy, Daddy, we're going to throw snowballs and we're going to have a great time. Ed Young said he continued to listen to the weather reports, but he realized right then and there that his daughter had chosen, had made a choice to be joyful. Now, it didn't lessen the serious reports of the weather people. It didn't lessen those reports at all. They knew they had to be careful. It was still treacherous, but he said he didn't succumb to the depression. He followed the example of his daughter. His daughter had a joyful attitude. She had chosen joy. And how important it is for all of us to also choose joy. And then 
a well-known minister said that his family, one of the families in his church, had to move from a multi-million dollar home to a little tiny apartment. They had lost everything. They said this was in the recession of the late 70s, that this man had made a lot of money. He had experienced the boom, but he had overextended himself, and when the recession hit, he had lost it all. And he said, so they were having to move out of their home. The pastor said he went by just to visit to offer condolences, and he said, imagine his surprise when a cheery wife said to him, Pastor, we're glad to see you. She said, just about everything is loaded, but she said, we still have the organ in the house, and you're just in time to join us for our last devotion in the house. We're going to have it around the organ. And so the minister wondered about that, but he said they got together, the husband, four children, the wife at the organ, and the pastor. He said he wondered what they would sing. He thought, nobody knows the trouble I see would be a great song for them to sing. But he said, without a tear in anybody's eye or a fret in anybody's voice, they all began to sing together the doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise God, Father, and Holy Ghost. That minister said he went to minister, but he was ministered to through them. There was an 82-year-old man who suddenly had discovered the joy of the Lord, and he couldn't contain it. So he went out to this restaurant, this fast food place, to get a hamburger. While he was there, this lady noticed his joy, and she said to him, how are you doing? He said, just fine, wonderful. She said, is today your birthday? He said, no, better than that. She said, is today your anniversary? He said, no, better than that. She said, well, what then? He said, well, I've experienced Christ. Do you know what I'm talking about? And she simply replied, no, I can't go to church on Sundays. A strange answer, an unusual answer, but the choice is ours. We can either choose joy or not. What was it Paul said? Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let us pray. Lord, we're so thankful for this day and every day. We're thankful this is the day that you have made, good, bad, or otherwise. And we're thankful that you are the Lord of every day, including this one. Help us, O oh God, just to trust in you and to allow you to live in and through us and touch others. Thank you again for this time together. Bless all those in the sounds of my voice and the sight of this picture. It's in your name. Amen. I hope you're having a wonderful Thanksgiving. Thank you for joining me tonight. And I pray that you'll continue to pray for us and, and support us by your prayers and your presence. And thank you again. Good night.